podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for our Thursday episode. Going to get through a few things quickly here because we've got a lot to talk about today. We're talking some Big 12 softball with Chris Plank. Very excited for this. Softball season is almost here, and the Big 12 is low dead. D1 softball rankings premiered this week, and three Big 12 teams were in the top 10. We're going to talk about that. Talk about Texas Tech with their new coach, Lots to talk about with Chris. And then Keegan Renault, our good friend from Sooners Wire, who will be leaving Sooners Wire, is going to join us. We'll talk some OU football, uh, talk about some transfers in and out of the program, the new coaching hire uh, for the uh, tight ends, and uh, talk a little Texas. And I've got a fun new segment called uh, Quick Fire Questions, 10 questions for Keegan. Some have great answers. Some, well, I'm disappointed in him, but that's fine. We love Keegan. Keegan's awesome. Uh, A couple things uh, before we get to that, obviously, Follow us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E, and the number 12, the word podcast. Okay, we got lots of fun stuff there. I'm trying to do lots of polls, tweet out polls, some relevant, some fun, some just whatever. We are on Instagram at 1012pod, T-E-N-1-2-P-O-D. We had to cancel our Instagram live for this week, and I think we're going to kind of put those on hiatus for a little bit. Look, uh, behind the scenes stuff, we push back the uh, 1012 toddler's bedtime a bit, uh, doing these Thursday episodes with guests. It uh, takes up more time than what I just had uh, Chris and Daniel doing picks every week. So we're just going to kind of put a break on those. We'll get back to them later eventually. I enjoy doing them. so we'll. But we will continue to post exclusive content, uh, graphics, things from us there. So give us a follow on Instagram at 1012pod. Leave us a rating and review, especially if you are an iTunes listener, five stars. And uh, tell us what you like, what you don't like. It helps spread the word about the show. We want to keep growing this show. Okay, That's the goal. The more time... Uh, I can spend, the better the show can be, and, and, and I want it to be the best that it can. Like I said, we're going to talk softball. Uh, big news for baseball. Very excited. The Big 12 has formally announced uh, that they're going to do a regular season structure for 2021. Last we knew, it was looking like four-game series in conference play, uh, but according to Kendall Rogers, the Big 12 athletic directors approved a normal season structure for the 2020 season. Uh, Big 12 will play the customer 24 conference games. Uh, they'll expand travel rosters to 30 players. We're seeing some things about non-conference schedules coming out. Basically, other teams are releasing non-conference schedules. Uh, Some neutral site kind of tournaments uh, are coming out, so we're learning things about different teams. Uh, Now we just wish the Big 12 would hurry up and get us some schedules. I want a schedule. I want baseball schedules. I want to know um, when I can finally go to Obrate and, and cheer on Oklahoma State. More importantly, check out their amazing new stadium. There's other things that I'm pretty sure we should talk about, but I don't remember what they are, and uh, it's pretty late on a Wednesday night. Uh, and as I said, we have a loaded show, as you can tell by the how long this show is. So without further ado, uh, follow us on Twitter, follow us on the gram, rating and review, and uh, let's get to it. So we talked a little Big 12 baseball last week. This week, it's time to talk softball. Chris Plank joining us to talk a little Big 12 softball today. Chris, welcome back to the show, man. 
Thanks so much for having me. You, uh, you're hitting on one of my passions here. I love talking softball, and I think we're in for a – well, I mean, every season is unique in, in the pandemic era, but maybe even more so than we've seen in years past with these monster rosters for these college softball teams this spring. Yeah, so why don't we just start there? I mean, obviously, every, the 2020 – or the yeah, the 2020 season got cut short. Um, everybody – it would seem that things are going good and COVID hits and it all gets canceled. And so the NCAA has allowed everyone to basically get an extra year of eligibility if, if they so choose to use it. Uh, it's a similar thing that baseball is dealing with this year. So from from your perspective, looking at the, the big 12 teams that, that play softball, um, is is there a team or two in particular where you say they had a ton of players come back and are really going to benefit from, from that this year? It, well, I mean, obviously, I would tell you Oklahoma. That that's what I cover the closest. And you know, it, it sounds borderline atrocious to say this, but maybe they were one of those teams that you know the, the pandemic and shutting down the season might have actually come at a time when they they were dealing with a lot of injury issues. You know, G. Juarez had just underwent surgery, and she was going to miss the rest of the year. They were counting a lot on Shannon Sale to shoulder the load. They had just lost their starting center fielder to an injury. So there were a lot of injury issues for Oklahoma that had affected them as we were hitting the stretch of Big 12, the start of Big 12 softball season, and what was a big weekend looming against Texas. So I would say I'd put Oklahoma in that list of a team that, you know, is in, is in really good roster shape based on those who have been given a – that, that extra year and kind of, you know, Nicole Mendez is a great example too. their captain center fielder who had uh, and right fielder, first baseman, wherever she can play pitch sometimes who's on team Mexico. So she had, you know, she had missed the majority of the season and was just starting to come back. So you get her back for a full season. Um, and, and I think, you know, a team like Baylor, you know, with a Gia Radoni and a Guzman Klon who, you know, get an extra year of eligibility. And I, I just, so honestly, as we go through the season, I think we'll find out a little bit more who it benefits by who is truly back, right? I mean, right now some of these rosters are still coming together out of the fall and into the early practice session. You know, Oklahoma hasn't even started back classes yet, but they've started working out. So it's, it's going to be fascinating to me to see just, just how these rosters look, you know, and, and, and kind of what those numbers look like with those who are projected to come back this year. But it's definitely, it's definitely going to be unique. And, you know, just one quick final point on this. I just, you know, I think the NCAA was trying to do right in saying all these baseball and softball players that, you know, have their season cut short, they'll get an extra year of eligibility. But I think in the long run, man, it puts a lot on the coaching staff you know, and a lot on these universities. I mean, Barry Alvarez had to come out and say, we're not giving you that extra year of eligibility. We can't afford it on the scholarship side. And now you have roster management and the um, the – the portal lighting up like crazy. And then freshmen who are come in or are commits are like, Hey, do I still have a spot? What does this roster look like? So I think in trying to do right, the NCAA create a lot of roster issues for this team person, a lot of these teams personnel wise. Yeah. And that's something that's going to be an issue for the next few years as, as teams try to deal with rosters and, and deal with players who, you know, you have these incoming freshmen who aren't going to get to see the field uh, as much in, in, in pretty much every sport as they might have in past years. And it's not just softball, it's baseball, softball, football, a- every sport. I think they instantly made the right move. Um, I, I think we all agree with it, but you know, there's always the unintended consequences of, of doing what we believe is the right thing. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see, 
how teams handle it. I think that will be a, a another thing. It sounds great to get these players back, but I do think there's going to it's going to be interesting to see which teams manage the rosters to the best of their abilities because you may have a loaded roster. You may have a great loaded roster, but if you don't manage that talent and manage those players efficiently and effectively, it it may be a, a kind of a zero sum game of great you have them, but it hasn't turned into a benefit for some teams as it might for others. Yeah, and uh, you you also have to deal with people coming in, right? Mm-hmm. People that are coming in that haven't played yet, you know. And I know that's not the proper way to say recruits, <laughs> people you have signed, but you you've got to worry about future recruiting classes too. You know, it's again again I'm not knocking the NCAA. I think they're trying to do the right thing. I just think that they kind of stopped and put the onus on the universities, which is fine, but. You know, it's in this time, it really makes things challenging. And, you know, I, I just – I was thinking about Oklahoma's roster, and I was going through it. There's like 23, 24 players on their roster. Um, I was looking at Oklahoma State's roster. There's like 20 players on Oklahoma State's roster, uh, and then some. So, you know, it's just roster management is going to be so key for not just 2021 but beyond so you can keep your recruiting classes in in, in place so you can – keep your, your your people that are there happy that you won around and you don't end up getting in a situation where you upset them. Absolutely. Uh, so as you mentioned, obviously Oklahoma is going to, going to be able to benefit uh, this year from, from everything that's going on. I hate saying like benefited from COVID, but it, but it, it, it is, it's more benefiting from the NCAA's decision to allow everyone an extra year of eligibility, I think is, is the better way of putting it. So it sounds a whole lot better from you know PR standpoint. Um, Oklahoma preseason, uh, or did, no, that was for 2020. What year? Where? This is 2021. That's right. Yeah. I did the same thing Man. when I was prepping for this. I looked at a lot of 2020 rosters and I was like, wait a minute she's not here or did she transfer in? Yeah. It's it's, it's confusing time, man. I feel you. Uh, I was, cause I was looking, I was like, yeah, what was the big tail preseason poll? Okay. It was, Oh wait, no, that's 2021, 2021. So let's ignore that. Uh, D one softball, who I think is, is easily one of the best soft websites to cover collegiate softball, uh, put out their top 25 this week. They had Oklahoma number two overall, which I think kind of reflects your point on, Oklahoma, which is a perennial powerhouse program, period. Let's just let's just acknowledge that out the gate. Uh, but Oklahoma, not the only top 10 team from the Big 12. Texas came in at number 9. Oklahoma State came in at number 10. Uh, and Baylor at 19, the other top 25 team uh, from the Big 12. And the Big 12 has been a good softball conference, easily. I, we all know the SEC is really good. We all know that the Pac-12 is solid. And there's some really fun G5 schools. I love, I love Olympic sports because it, it, you see – powers in that we wouldn't expect to see you know because of football um but looking at this season how good is the big 12 going to be this year or is this a situation where oklahoma texas oklahoma state who we all expect to be good especially based on how they were last year are going to be so dominant maybe it's it's a situation where the top is really dominant and the rest of the conference is good but is beaten down by that that top tier talent yeah, no, and I think that's been the big challenge to the Big 12 over the last five, six years is that Oklahoma has been so good. Texas had struggled, you know, quite a bit to get back to where they once were. And, um, you know, there wasn't really, you know, Oklahoma State had filled that void just a bit. And Smith, the Shaw was a heck of a of an addition to them from the transfer market. Baylor and what Glenn Moore had put together uh, has been always consistently good at, at Baylor. But that, 
that C word, consistency, has, had not been there with anyone else outside of Oklahoma. You know, Baylor was headed towards a really rough season last year um, and was in the midst of one the year before. So it had been it had been tough to find maybe that, that, that second team behind Oklahoma. But, you know, Mike White in his, now heading into his third season at Texas, this is a guy that has done some incredible things throughout his career, pretty special head coach. I think that they've got a loaded roster at Texas this year. And I know that Miranda Ellis opting out, maybe that might have changed the way some people viewed them in their D1 softball top 25 poll if they would have known that Ellis was opting out before they voted. But, you know, they have that. And we still haven't seen her uh, pitch in, in Shaylin O'Leary. I don't think she pitched against Oklahoma last time these two teams faced in 2019, I believe, whenever we went down to Austin. I don't think they ended up seeing her. And then, of course, the season was shut down right before OU and Texas were to play last year. So you have Shaylin O'Leary, who's pretty special. And then you look up and down that Texas roster, and it's all the names you know. You know, it's the Janae Jeffersons of the world, the players that have been there consistently. So, yeah, I think – I think when you look at the Big 12, it's Oklahoma, it's Texas. I think Baylor's back here. Radoni's healthy. Goose McGlunn, uh, Glenn Moore's a heck of a head coach. I am so intrigued by Oklahoma State because I just don't know. You know, here they, they've got a couple of, of graduate players who I think are going to end up doing a nice job for them. And Gabby Sprang, the, the, the pitcher, and, and Carrie uh, Everly, the, the, the pitcher, the Tennessee and Vautech transfers. So, you know, those are, the to me, the four teams, Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Texas. You know, those are the four teams that I think are all going to be really good. But then you add a bit of a, of a wild card, right, in what Jamie Pinkerton's done the last couple of years at Iowa State. And Texas Tech got off to a whale of a start uh, a, a couple seasons ago under Adrian Gregory. Now, you know, Coach Gregory's out. They bring in Sammy Ward, who was an incredible program builder at Loyola Marymount. Um, you know, this – I just – I think you have – Four, you have, in my mind right now, two elite teams in the Big 12, even with Miranda Ellis' opt-out in Oklahoma and Texas. You have two really intriguing rosters in what Baylor and Oklahoma State have. And then in what Tech and Iowa State, you have these wild cards. Now, no offense to Kansas, but they're still building, and I think they're getting some young talent there. They're in a tough spot right now. Uh, fight an uphill battle. They'll beat some teams they're not supposed to throughout the season, but they're still going. But to me, right now as I'm sitting here, I feel good about five teams from the Big 12 potentially making the postseason and a sixth being a problem. So this is going to be a fascinating couple of weeks leading up to the season to really see how uh, these rosters shape up and then, you know, who's healthy, who opts out, who stays in. Is there anyone else that's going to hit the transfer portal? I don't know, but I'll just tell you right now, I still think regardless of what happens between now and then, Texas and Oklahoma are your two big dogs, and there is not too terribly steep of a drop-off when you get to three and four. Yeah, it's really interesting. I, You know, with, with only 17, you just say, well, they could, they're going to – it feels like four pretty much barring massive injuries or just crazy stuff, like four locks for the NCAA tournament, uh, at, at least for regionals. And and getting five in, you know, whether that's Iowa State or Texas Tech, would be huge for a seven-team conference. I know the SEC is awesome. They've got all these different teams. I think sometimes we overstate how good larger conferences are just because, oh, they got nine teams out of 16. You know, the Big 12 can send – five of seven, four of seven, I think it's more impressive. And knowing that Oklahoma, the, the Big 12 hat can still send multiple teams to Oklahoma City um, when you have so few. I just I think it speaks to 
how good the Big 12 is at softball and how much the conference cares about the sport. Yeah, and, and there you go. You know, how much the conference and then the schools that played in the conference. You brought the SEC, and they, as a conference, each team made a commitment to upgrading their facilities and really over the last 20 years saying, hey, this this could be a, 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 a nice addition to our sports portfolio, if you will, right? This could be something that – you know, we realize that I don't want to get too carried away back like a cash cow, but this is something that could end up making some money for our schools. Uh, and, and this is something that, listen, will help, you know, broaden our overall portfolio. So the SEC really committed to it, right? They look at the, look at the facility that, that Florida just opened up this past season. Look at the commitment Auburn has made and some of their coaching hires uh, over the last uh, couple of seasons. So, you, you segue that and you see what they're doing in the SEC and you realize, ah, the Big 12 has been doing that. Now, uh, is it taking some time to get there? Sure. Oklahoma is still working on trying to get um, everything finished up with its new facility and get its new stadium built. And that, that's been a bit of a process. And just when you feel like you're, you're getting a little traction, COVID-19 hits and changes everything from a, from a, you know, just overall mindset perspective, right? You go from, Let's build this new stadium. Let's get things going to, okay, what can we do to make sure that this sport continues to survive and thrive? Oklahoma State just built a brand-new baseball ball facility, and from everything I've come to understand, they're going to be able to shift softball over to where baseball was and, and use some of their stuff, and, and that's going to be great for OSU. Kansas has a brand-new stadium that they just built the last couple of years in a facility that's awesome that's off campus for Kansas for Kansas softball and Kansas track and Kansas tennis is over there. You know, uh, Iowa State has a really cool facility for their softball program. So my, my point is in kind of laying out what you said, you've seen an investment into the Big 12 and softball, and it comes from not just the success of the Oklahomas and the Texases and the Oklahoma States of the world, but it comes from these universities realizing, hey, this is something that can enrich the student-athlete uh, mindset. This is good to, to put a women's sport like this on a, on a platform like it deserves. And, I mean, bottom line here, people watch. You know, people watch. So I, I'm really excited about the commitment that we've seen. I hope that we continue to build and grow towards Oklahoma getting its new stadium built sooner rather than later. And I think you'll con- continue to see projects grow throughout this conference. Yeah, you know, I, to your point of people watch, I do think people care. You know, Oklahoma State, once once they were, were good, and, and you could tell that Gajewski was building something, you know, 2020 was the second straight season. They had a they had a sellout for season tickets for for softball. Like this idea that people don't care about women's sports or don't care about anything outside of football, I just don't think it's true. It may not have the the care and the size. You may not fill, you're not going to fill up a uh, twenty thousand person you know stadium maybe. But I do think there is a solid and real commitment to programs when they are successful. And and it I know we say these these sports don't generate money, and I get that. But I do think that they they matter and that they should matter. And I look, I am I love that as as an Oklahoma State fan, I love that the cowgirl softball team is is good. I love following them. It's fun and exciting. Like it's and it's. I think it speaks to. It's really nice to have a a not only a school but conferences that care about being uh, having robust athletic departments and caring about committing to more than just. Football. We all love football, 
but caring about the other sports. Like I enjoy knowing as an Oklahoma State fan that from the beginning of soccer football season through the end of softball baseball season, I'm going to have some sort of Oklahoma State team to watch and cheer for that's going to be successful at the sport that they play. Absolutely. Let me preach. And, you know, I think that's, success is the key here. I mean, let's, you don't want to just put a, put a team out there for the sake of putting a team out there. No. You want to be good. And I think that's what you see. And well, let's just, let's take you, you talking about Oklahoma state and what, what Kenny Gajewski has done. What do they do whenever they're looking for a pitching coach? They don't just say, Hey, go, you know, go, go get who you can afford. You know, they go get a guy who was a very successful coach in the division one ranks and John Bartfell from the university of Tulsa. And they make him the – and I just I, – I love Coach Barkwell. I'm so excited to see what he can do with that Oklahoma State pitching staff. We'll get Texas Tech whenever Adrian Gregory is, is fired because of the way that program was being handled. What do they do? Do they just say, oh, let's, let's, let's bring someone in to try – no, they go out and they hire a big-time name in Sammy Ward. So, I mean, Jamie Pinkerton's hired at Iowa State. You know, there's a guy that was the head coach at Tulsa and, and, and at Arkansas too. So the investment that they've made in coaching is, is big because, like you said, you don't want to just look forward to it because, oh, it's softball, so we're good. You want to look forward to it because, oh, we're going to go out there and we're, we're a really good team. We're going to take care of business. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about the level of play that we're seeing. You know, is it, is it the depth of, of what they have in, in, say, the SEC? Maybe not. But we're looking at a team that's only seven teams, and you and I have talked about the possibility of four being locked to the postseason and maybe a fifth. That's an incredible percentage of teams getting into the postseason. Agreed. Uh, so let's let's touch on Texas Tech just here for a second. Obviously, don't need to get into what happened with your previous head coach um, with, with with Gregory. But you, as you said, Texas Tech went out and hired a heck of a coach in Sammy Ward, the previous co- who was the head coach at Loyola Marymount, where she had a lot of success. Was the West Coast Conference coach of the year three times. Um, what do you think uh, is a realistic expectation for Texas Tech, and and kind of what are some of your thoughts here on on Coach Ward? Yeah, I you know we had a chance because Oklahoma had gone out west to play against uh, Loyola Marymount rather regularly, so I had a chance to watch Sammy Ward's teams play, and you know again it's not always going to be the easiest when you're competing for <laughs> when you're competing for talent with the UCLA's and the Cal's of the world, but. They always had ballers, man, and you knew you were going to get a tough matchup anytime you went up against the Sammy Ward coach team. Here's the key for me with, with, with Tech. You know, I, and everything kind of runs together. So there's a party that's like, wait, was that 2020 or was that 2019? But Erin <laughs> Edmondson had had herself a heck of a start, and I believe it was 2019, and had really been pitching well. But when, we, when Tech got into conference play, it was almost as if, familiar I started seeing her and she got hit pretty hard I think that there was you know a matchup that she had against Washington where she shut down Washington so I'm I'm so intrigued to see where Aaron Edmondson is if if indeed she's going to take advantage of that extra year of eligibility and what Sammy's been able to do what coach Ward has been able to do to bring in talent because like I said you know that's a fringe team right now in, in potentially making the postseason. Uh, again, like you said, I don't know what happened with Adrian Gregory, but I'll tell you what, if, if she was back, you know, knowing kind of what her roster looked like and how she had coached, I probably would have had them up there as a team that's going to give fits to the Texases and the, and the Oklahoma State to the world. But I just don't know, you know, right? I guess we're all going to find out whenever they get things rolling. And, you know, maybe we'll see a schedule by the time that this podcast posts. I don't know. But I'm going to be willing to bet that Sammy Ward's going to have her team showcased as much as they'll allow her to travel out west and make sure that eyes can get on them to say, hey, 
I, I, I'm coaching now here. I can still develop you like I did on the West Coast. Come to Lubbock and check it out. I think it's going to be a fascinating fit. Yeah, so let's wrap up there. Obviously, the, the season kind of expected to start here in a little over three weeks. That kind of February, that kind of Valentine's Day weekend seems to be the start date I've seen. Now, as far we haven't had a conference schedule uh, yet for the Big 12. I know the SEC's put theirs out, and it would just they just decided on what they wanted to do with baseball on Tuesday. Um, so, of course, softball is probably similar situation. I would expect we get a conference schedule, if not this week, the next. You feel like you'd like to get that out before, you know, week of. Um, what are you kind of expecting as far as non-conference? Do you th- feel like most of the Big 12 teams are going to stay closer to home? Um, or do you feel like teams are, like you mentioned with Texas Tech, trying to go out west? Do you, do you think teams will try and treat this a little more normal than than i might expect with with covid being what it is yeah absolutely um and i think maybe for each team and this is just my speculation i think you might see one flight in their non-conference schedule if even that um i think that there's a i don't think you're going to see many i don't think you're going to see many teams going to california if any this year um so I, i i doubt you'll see that um, I would feel pretty confident in saying I don't think Oklahoma is going to play in California this year. I don't know for certain, but if I'm a guessing man here, I don't think you're going to see anyone playing um, at, a, at a tournament at LMU or we're all have we gone in the past Fullerton or even out to the Mary Nutter Classic. I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think they'll still try to find ways to get, you know, as west as, as travel will allow. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of, of trips that you can bus to, <laughs> if you will. And I think you're going to see uh, as competitive as, of a schedule as you can. Now, I would say this, keep an eye on Oklahoma City, because I think with the Hall of Fame Stadium and, you know, now it's completed, the fields around it are, have always been serviceable and playable. So it wouldn't surprise me after having lost a year of the Women's College World Series to see a situation where maybe teams are more apt to kind of migrate and play a couple of tournaments there because, you know, in Big 12 country, it's a bus ride for just about everybody, maybe outside of of Iowa State. But, yeah, to me, I just – I think you're going to see teams be really smart about how they schedule. And then in that, you know, you you schedule and you just don't know. Um, Is the flexibility going to be there if you lose – not necessarily lose on the field but can't play a game because of COVID – are this, are, are, is there going to be flexibility in the Big 12 schedule where maybe you can add another game? I don't know. Um, but it's going to be – well, it's going to be fascinating because we all know what we've dealt with throughout the college football season and now in the college basketball. But I'm just – I think Diamond Sports are going to be a fascinating case study in trying to play as, as challenging of a, of a schedule as you can with as minimal amount of travel as you can possibly put together. No, I agree. Like I, I love non-conference. That's why I'm excited that, that baseball chose to go with the regular season. As much fun as four-game series would have been in baseball, I just non-conference is fun. I think it, I think it benefits teams, especially you know you look at a Big Twelve. You've got seven teams. There's a it's a there's not a lot of wins to go around, especially when you know the Oklahomas and the Texases are going to get a lot of them. So having those non-conference games against quality opponents to help boost your resume is going to be really big if the Big Twelve wants to get five teams into the postseason this year. So I think that's big. I would love to see Oklahoma City play host and with everything there and the stadiums there and even at Tulsa, just um, some more neutral situations where you can bring teams together there. I think that's a a great idea. Yeah, and then you've had, by the way, real quick on that, you've had Oklahoma 
you know, worked together with Tulsa and Oklahoma State in the past to put together, you know, as much as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, as as trips, maybe as a little triangle from Stillwater, uh, maybe even a square. Stillwater, Tulsa, Oklahoma City, and Norman. You know, there's there's easily drivable games, and you can get in, you know, four, eight, twelve, sixteen games there if you want. But we'll see. Um, I, I think it's going to be a lot of busting for the Big Twelve this year, non-conference. Agreed. Agreed. Chris, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you joining the show today. For everybody who wants to check out the work you do covering the Sooners and just Big 12 sports in general, where can they do so? Oh, Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. I get a chance to fill in. In fact, as soon as I hang up here, I'm getting ready to do a show this afternoon with Gabe the Fran. Uh, Sooner Sports Podcast for OU fans, Soonersports.com slash podcast. And, hey, we'll be all in on softball over the next few weeks, so give me a follow on Twitter, at Plank Show and at OU on the air. It's going to be fun, man. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Looking forward to the season starting. Can't wait to get you back on again and and see where we are maybe mid-season. Call me anytime, man. The Highball Network is your new home for podcasts that meet you at the intersection of sports and entertainment. Featuring personalities like Christine Butterfield, Madison Morris, Randy Heights, and Ryan Chapman, the Highball Network will keep you entertained while delivering high-level analysis across the entire spectrum of sports. The Winning Women podcast preaches female empowerment, and covers stories of perseverance and breakthroughs for women in sports. Sideline Warning delivers fast-paced commentary on sports all across the national landscape, complete with plenty of roasts. And for you Sooner fans out there, the Heisman Park Rangers covers the entirety of OU athletics, from football to softball and everything in between. Like the Highball Network on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Highball Network to stay up to date on all our latest projects. You can find Highball Network Podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now, look, we don't talk a lot of OU football on this pod, not because we don't like the Sooners, but because we know we don't have a huge Sooner following, and I'm not going to bend over backwards to try and get every Sooner fan to want to listen to the show. Guys, I like you, I do. Just understand you're not the easiest fan base to get on board for other things that aren't specifically OU related. However, I do enjoy talking about the Sooners, and when we do, there's one guy in particular i like to bring on the show to do so. Uh, and since he is uh, going to be leaving his current station, uh, OU-specific station, Keegan Renault, soon to be formerly of Sooners Wire, joining us again today. Keegan, welcome back, man. You know, I always have a good time it's always to get to broaden my horizons and step out into different realms i've been posting on the inside texas board just because i love snarking back and forth with who we all love but (laughs) so i've been broadening my horizons so this is going to be good for me this is going to be another experience it's going to be great very good very good well so you have not unveiled what what is uh, your next step for you um, before we hop in, you are going to keep your, your Patreon going, right? Now you have, is, wait, you have an OnlyFans, is that right? I forget. Something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, I haven't worked okay. out in like six months, but if you want to come check me out, come check me out. But no, I, I'm, uh, yeah, we're on the Inside OU podcast with Brady Trantham and I. Um, we have a Patreon page where I break down film of Oklahoma. We do podcasts on there as well. So like I'll get guests and this and that. It's $4 a month for the podcast part. And then if you want to get podcast and the film, it's just five bucks. So, and there's be a lot more stuff coming to that. So I'm excited to see how we kind of build that as well. Um, but it's going to be, yeah, I'll be on the podcast throughout the whole 2021 season. So it's this, I'm going to be more of an outsider looking in with inside information, I guess is the best way to put it. 
You're gonna guess on your own pod. That's a fun. That that would be a weird thing to do, but I like it. Yeah, no, do your what? game breakdown stuff is. You'd be like a guest on your own pod. Kinda, I guess. I mean, Philip, you know more than you know as well as I know. I could tell you basically about what's happening with OU. It's just matter of being able to do it. In what capacity yeah. can I talk about things? So this is a great avenue for that, and uh, hopefully, now that I'm off the beat. People are love. We'll talk a little bit more. Obviously, the hope. We'll see what kind of happens. But fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, well, we're just gonna kind of ramble here a little bit. But I do have a few uh, Oklahoma specific things I want to talk about regarding the off season. Uh, first, let's uh, let's take a little trip into the transfer portal. A couple of things to, to talk about. First, at the quarterback position. Obviously, uh, Tanner uh, Tanner Mordecai and Chandler Morris both entering the transfer portal. Uh, Mordecai now going to SMU. Chandler Morris headed off to TCU, uh, which left the OU quarterback room a little bit a little bit bare outside of Spencer Rattler, which is understandable. I mean, Rattler's got the job, and he's going to have the job until he decides to leave. So uh, if you're a guy who wants to start, you're the only way you're really going to start at Oklahoma at this point is, is barring injury. Uh, however, Oklahoma did happen to reach into the portal and pull out a quarterback of their own. Uh, Micah Bowens uh, of Penn State uh, saw this news recently, kind of talked to me about where he fits in here, and it it felt like a little bit of a surprise. I hadn't really seen much talk of, of Oklahoma and him being connected, and all of a sudden he's committed to Oklahoma. Yeah, it was. It surprised me too, and it's something that, you know, you need an arm, but at the end of the day, like, I don't know if this guy could if, – if it comes – push comes to shove, it's this guy's your quarterback. I don't know if that's what you want. So it, it sounds like it may not be a scholarship situation. We'll kind of see how that unfolds. If it sounds like he may just be a preferred walk-on type and earns a scholarship later on. Um, but, you know, he – like I, I put this out on Twitter, but it's like watching Spencer Sanders mixed with Jalen Hurts playing football. Like, take Jalen's arm and his body type and then weigh Spencer Sanders plays the game. Like, that's how this kid is. So, I don't, I don't really see him being a, you know, an impact guy, maybe just a, a – backup for four years becomes a coach kind of deal which is what's been a theme for some of those preferred walk-on kids at Oklahoma um so we'll see if that's the route they end up taking but it shocked me as well so it, it kind of caught me off guard uh the big name the guy we talked about a lot uh, or needs to be talked about um it's not often you see a former five-star guy leave an SEC program and and, and head into the Big 12 but here oh no the, oh no you do you do when it's Tennessee this year Philip. Well, that's no, no, no. Look, Tennessee's having a fire sale. Like everyone's on their way out the door. Uh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have one of one of those scenes where the office is completely empty here, real quick. Uh, but Oklahoma landing a an impact tackle, <laughs> much to the chagrin of Texas A and M fans, which is really fun. Uh, Wanya Morris uh, coming in from Tennessee. Talk to me about how he's going to fit in here and what kind of impact he can have on what what we expect to generally be a really good offensive line group. So he he kind of comes in with the same questions that Orlando Brown did in terms of like he's got some work with his technique and fundamentals and stuff. He's a guy cut probably cut some weight, um, but he plays at that same nastiness. He's probably more athletic. He's more built to be a more prototypical left tackle. Um, Orlando is so massive and so physical and so nasty, uh, overcome some of those things. Um, what, what you're getting in Morris is a, a 6'5", 320-pound left tackle, long arms. I mean, when you're talking about what a, you want your first tackle to an NFL draft, like it's this kid. 
it's just a matter of now putting those puzzle pieces together and using the tools that he has and getting the most out of it. And I, I, you know, going to a place that's been able to do it with guys like that before. And it, I think it's a perfect fit for him. I, I like, don't get me wrong. Josh Henson, we all know how good of a coach he is and what he got out of those guys down in A&M this year was impressive. Um, but I think, you know, when you're talking about as well, plugging into a great situation, like Oklahoma schedule is really easy. Like, don't get me wrong, like going down the Texas A&M and this and that, but like, he's got a chance to be a part of a team that's got a chance to go to the national championship game. And it's a very clear picture. So he's going to get a lot of pub. Um, He's got, he's got a big future ahead of him. Um, I think he may only play one year at Oklahoma, Phillip. Like I, I'm not sure that he's a guy that's going to be at Oklahoma for a long time. This in terms of how he fits. So Oklahoma obviously was athletic at left tackle when Anton Harrison came in the game with Adrian Ely on the right side. Um, I, I think Morris slides in at left. You swing Harrison over to right. I think left guard is going to be Marquise Hayes. Center will be Chris Murray. And then right guard is going to be either Tyrese Robinson or Andrew Rams. So they're going to be pretty good up front. They're going to have a chance to. And adding Morris to that conversation, just I think – like whenever you're talking about Oklahoma for next year, like I, I know there's people are like, okay, well, you know, wide receivers dropped a lot of passes. The running back situation's a little questionable, um, this, that, whatever. Like the tackle position and the offensive line in Oklahoma has to get better. And Wanya Morris is a puzzle piece to that, that I think completely changes, you know, the out, what we think about what Oklahoma's offensive line is going to be for next year. And if, you know, you with the group they got on defense in that front six, Phillip, if they can get that offensive line turning, they should dominate the trenches every game. And I, you know, like until you go play a big, you'll play one of a big, one of those big guys in Ohio State or Clemson or Alabama. I mean, you're going to have the talent, talent on your side. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I, I'm trying to treat everything this year like people complaining like, oh, well, this guy didn't do this and this guy didn't do that. And I, at some point you have to – I think people are so used to COVID that we almost forget that COVID is a real thing that happened this year and killed your offseason and killed development. And I think it was way too hard for players to really develop during the season because if you get COVID during the season, there's no developing. You're, you're going to take time off. So I, I think this is kind of one of those years and why everyone got a bonus year that if you're mad about players not showing up at the start of the season and getting better and then continuing to improve as the season went on, like – Folks, this isn't a normal year. We, we really can't think of it that way. So, like, I'm, I'm not super concerned. You know, obviously, running back, wide receiver, as you mentioned. I just, like, let's see how things look next year, what, what we hear out of spring ball in, in 2021 before we all just kind of get super worried about things headed into the next fall. Well, and breaking news while we're on this podcast, Larry Scott is out as the Pac-12 commissioner. <gasps> Finally? So Man. now, who, which, which, who, who is the Pac-12 going to hire Philip that is going God. to try and come poach all the big in the next five years? That's the key. Man, I don't. They got to get, they got to get someone in there. Oklahoma and Texas are going to be waiting for an offer from someone. So we'll see. Oklahoma looking, and you watch. Oklahoma's going to go to the Big Ten. It's going to be nuts. But they, <laughs> they're researching. Hold, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, stop! Like, what are we doing here? Are we, are we, are we making a oh, joke? Oh, we're doing it. I'm just no, kind of. But at the end of the day, though, like the Pac-12 is gonna die. Like, if they don't try to go get Oklahoma and Texas, or at least one of the two, the Pac-12 is gonna be dead. So I, I, you know, like, the, I guess I kind of give away some inside info. But I mean, I think Oklahoma, when it's push comes to shove, is gonna end up going to the Big Ten when it's all like all this is over, which. 
I don't know. I don't think that should surprise anybody. If you pay attention to what some people on Twitter say about, if you look at the, how do I say this? If you look at the leaves and the breadcrumbs that Oklahoma is leaving out in terms of, okay, we want to be a research university. We want our brand and our research and our university to be great. Well, Nebraska didn't make it almost to the Big Ten, right? Because of the AAU deal, because their school, in theory, wasn't really that good as a school. Oklahoma's trying to improve there for a reason. So there you go. There's my two cents. Conference, there's your realignment talk. You're not going to get me for another two months mm. or whatever it is. Mm. Mm. I'd, mm. We're not going – I'm not falling down that rabbit hole because we, we'll, we'll get lost and I don't – I. We're gonna to have to save this. We got plenty of off-season content time to fill, so there you uh, go. we'll talk You're about right. this again in June. This is like a two-month-ahead, three-month, six-month-ahead tease. Let's go with that. Um, okay, uh, last little thing before we have some. Just yeah, you know, I, I guess we could talk about the new hire, uh, Shane Beamer's replacement, Joe John Finley. It's a great name, Joe John. Joe John Finley. Sometimes two first names works. Sometimes it doesn't. Joe John is is good. Um, tell me a little bit about the the former OU player who's now back in back in Norman on the coaching staff. Well, I think from one part, you got to mention recruiting with the tag, with the staff Texas is putting together with all the Alabama blood. Like I, I, I think it's as blatant as obvious what everything's trying to go down, down there. Well, Oklahoma combats that with this, a guy that coached under Jimbo Fisher did a really good job. The best tight ends in the country and the wider Myra kid then goes to Ole Miss and coaches under lane. And he's recruited there as well. Recruited well there. He signed, I believe, a top 100 player, um, a tight end that's going to go to Ole Miss. So he recruits well. And I'm trying trying to be as tongue-in-cheek about that as I possibly can, right? But it's important. <laughs> it's so important. I mean, Oklahoma gets a kid that's basically committed to them, not committed to them, when Kamar Wheaton and Alabama could come in literally from what I understand the night before, like Kamar Wheaton called them was like, hey, you guys have any room? And they're like, oh, yeah, we could definitely take room to take you, you know. It's like, okay. So it, if you – Oklahoma, if they want to continue to take the strides they want to take as a program, they got to be able to recruit at that level with Alabama and now what Texas is going to do. And where yeah. you're not – you know, you can't be losing whenever you're basically putting all your chips in on these kids and you go one for six, I believe, is what Oklahoma out on the recruiting trail. Like, that stuff just can't happen. So adding Joe John Finley is a, a bonus – that regard and then you just want to talk about just the fit I think it's important to note like I'm not a huge fan of OU hiring former OU guys like I don't think that like you can't fall in love with that because it's easy there's so many of them out there um but with Joe John Finley you get a guy that's what he was a part of some really good teams at Oklahoma he gets it he won the Cotton Bowl and then put the you know his award won't put the golden hat on his head he understands Oklahoma to a T He's been, you know, he was a part of one of the best offenses in college football this year down there at Ole Miss, was the passing game coordinator. I don't know if that label us to get a raise or some more money. But another thing to point out, too, he's been a part of different offenses. So um, I have two more things. But on this one, he's been with Jimbo and A&M, which is a pro-style offense. And he's also been now at Ole Miss, which is definitely a, a more raid, air raid, variant kind of offense so he's been at both of those places and then lastly and we're starting to find out that Barry Odom's a pretty good football coach right now the defensive coordinator at Arkansas who 
helped Missouri win a lot of football games that people didn't expect them to after they basically almost decimated their football program. Well, the connection, mm-hmm. which Lincoln, Jamar Kane, and Shane Beamer did not have connections to Oklahoma. So it's not surprising if they went out of the box and not had a guy that had any Oklahoma connections at all. But Brian Odom, now the linebackers coach at Oklahoma, who has developed Kenneth Murray, and now David Aguebu, who looks to be a first round, maybe a guy that's going to be scratching a, to be a first round pick next year. Him and Joe John Finley worked together at Missouri under Brian Odom and Barry Odom. Um, he is the gave Joe John Finley and Brian the same. That was their first jobs. So he he they they cut they're all cut from the same cloth. And I believe Odom and Grinch are connected, and I believe it's through Pinkle at Missouri. If I if I'm putting it all together right. So it's all connected in the same. And I think it's interesting though, Philip, that Oklahoma is going that route. So Oklahoma is going the, like they, they get the culture that they have now on defense. And it's kind of from that Odom Pinkle tree. And you keep adding more of that blood to the system. I I, I want to say, I'm, I think I'm thinking of this, right. I hope, but I, the, I think Grinch worked on whatever, regardless, they all, the culture, everything they're wanting to do is the same mentality, same mindset, whatever. And I think Joe John Finley also fits that. So there you go. There's your long, short answer on um, Joe John being hired at Oklahoma. And I think when you get a tenth assistant as good as that, you can't complain. Yeah. uh, So Grinch was a graduate assistant at Missouri 2002 to 2004. Uh, Then he was the safeties coach uh, 2012 to 2014 before he became the DC up at Washington state. So yes, the, the Missouri connection is, is there. Um, Weird Missouri, huh? Someone made a joke. Did you see me retweet that yesterday? Someone made a joke with me and was like, wired Oklahoma's turning into Texas Tech uh Texas Tech East or Texas Tech North and he said woke Oklahoma's turning into Missouri West <laughs> why Missouri like that's crazy like when you go back and really think about it, it like Missouri is a place that I just would not have thought that you know good these all these lines of coaches are coming from from Pinkle and uh Odom I don't know man but you know I think Odom was a I I was still was shocked when they fired Odom. I didn't think he did that bad of a job at Missouri. Like, I think Missouri is what it is. Missouri kind of like Pinkle overachieved at Missouri. And I think Pinkle did a good job. But they were number one, we, right? At one point, they were number yeah. They uh, that was the year that we'd have had a national championship between Missouri and West Virginia. Had West Virginia not lost to a like five win pit and Missouri beaten Oklahoma in the Big Twelve title game. But then we got the two loss LSU in the national championship because both those teams lost on like championship weekend, and that was two thousand seven. It's the we- remember the weirdest year of college football of all time, two thousand and seven. Well, that's a little little. I was like just you know figuring out that you know four verts on Madden or on Xbox was great to use in football. So give me a pass there. I don't if, give me about two thousand ten on. I'm I've got a pretty good recollection. I forget how old I am and how young all the rest of you are. It's fine. Yeah. Fine. Uh, it's all right. <sighs> no, that's not a shot at you. That's a shot at how old I'm getting. Um, so you talked about Texas. Let's talk Texas for a minute. Um, so let, let's. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Because I, I want to do this um, since with you. Um, I get people are going to be like, the, we do this every time. Texas. Da, 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 da. They're not back. And I get it. I absolutely get it. I understand. I get it. Um but the point here and the difference between what's happening now, and and again, Sark's got to prove some things as far as coaching goes. 
He's got to he's got to prove some things. He's got to prove that he can run a program like Texas. We saw what happened at USC. I, I I'm not bringing up the alcoholism to knock him for it. I'm just saying I do think you have to include that into why the level of success they had at USC was the level of success he had at USC because at the same time he was drinking the way it was. And no offense, no one does a great job when they're drinking a whole lot. Um, I don't unless you all think that your speak papers you wrote yeah, in college speak were for yourself. the best. Yeah, thing speak for yourself. I am I am nothing if not beautifully articulate and a, and a master craftsman of the word uh, when I am at least mildly inebriated. There's all my 25 cent words I've used up my bag. Um, but what we're seeing Sark do that Herman didn't do, he didn't, Herman brought his guys in, that I don't think Charlie Strong really did either, was the thing that you should do at the University of Texas. Not just bring your boys along. You go out. Use the resources you have available to you and say, I'm going to do what Bama does. I'm going to go get the best of the best of the best of the guys who are out there who are going to recruit their butts off and coach. Because, look, it's very nice. As a, look, as it's nice that, uh, that Texas recruits in the top 10. But I think fans view top 10. I think fans view recruiting from the 6th through 12 rank a lot closer to like the one, two, three than in reality it actually is. Like the gap to me between like top three recruiting classes and seven, eight, nine, ten is a lot larger than people think. Texas is trying to recruit in that one, two, three range, not the six range. And there's nothing wrong with recruiting at six. There's lots of schools that would love to recruit at six, but that's the difference between winning it being Alabama and Clemson on a yearly basis and LSU last year and being, no offense, Oklahoma and what they what they are you have been for the past few years and such. Um, so let's talk about why this might actually be very very different for Texas than what it has been. Or just your thoughts. I'm just curious. Well, I've, I I think I've been pretty honest. I've been pretty straightforward since you know they they got announced. Right. I, I said from the get go, Sark's going to be as good as his offensive line coach. Okay. Go hire, go bring Kyle Flood in. All right, good hire. <laughs> okay, so next step, you got to hire a good defensive coordinator. Okay, I'm going to go get Pete Kwiatkowski, I think is how you say it. Okay, great. Great hire. I mean, okay, whatever. So here's the thing, though, Philip, and here's what I love about Texas and the situation they're in, is they're in a win-win situation, which is what they're always in with a first-year coach, right? You get a full yep. year to sell your program. Win, lose, draw, whatever. You get a full year. And guess what Sarkeesian just did? He just put together one of the greatest offenses in college football history. So they're <clears> in yeah. a great situation. I mean, literally, that are... national championship was just him saying, look what you can do here. They literally had a guy, a receiver, like commit to him at Texas at halftime. The next day. The next day. Yeah. Sure. Whatever. Point is, literally, he was just like, do you want to do this? Uh, yeah, come to Texas. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and here's the thing, but here's the thing with Texas and why, like, it's important to temper expectations. Okay. I put out, I put out a video clip today and I put, my comment was, I love football. Here's why Alabama lined up in that play against Auburn and had equal numbers. There was no leverage. Nobody had leverage, no nothing. And the left tackle, the left guard and the left sit in the center and the right guard just lined up and said, we're going to kick your ass. And they did. And they absolutely kicked Auburn's ass on that play. Texas doesn't have the guys to do that right now. They could in two to three years. Now, here's the mm -hmm. thing. With the transfer portal, though, you can cut that to two. So, like, for me, whenever you're talking about Oklahoma, Oklahoma's defense, right, like 2019 was year zero. Like, 
you've got to get Alex Grinch needs his guys in the system. This year was year one for out for me, for Alex Grinch. So whenever you kind of take that perspective, like Texas is in year zero this year, like there's things they need to accomplish. I put this out on Twitter, Philip, and this is, this is unbelievable. Texas has not started a season three and oh, since 2012. That's nine seasons. Wow. Okay. Texas at the same time too. Here's what else is on this checklist. Here's next. Here's what's next for Sarkeesian. Texas has not beaten Oklahoma state and TCU in the same year. This TCU joined the big 12. Okay. There's things like, that's what I'm saying with Texas fans and like me being on, like I said, I'm going to post and like broadening minds horizons. I'm obviously joking around and feel like to literally dick around part of my French there. You'll have to beat that one out. <laughs> literally like to mess around 24 seven, but like in seriousness, like I think you understand, I'm going to kind of put it to you. Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma right now that people are agitated with me with, whether it's Texas, whether it's Oklahoma state, whatever it is, here's the point. Texas hasn't done things a blue blood does on a yearly basis in a long time, more than a decade. And Texas needs to understand that if you lose to Arkansas this year on the road, not only is that going to be embarrassing to the big 12, but the thought of Texas being dunked on by Arkansas fans is so delightful. Like, and that's from a very middle ground, but like we all enjoy Texas fans need to understand they bring it upon themselves. We all enjoy dunking on them because we've all heard for the last eight years about how texas is going to be this texting be that okay so and to counter that this time texas this is what you do you go three and oh or i'm sorry you go beat louisiana game i it wasn't you and i that had the twitter exchange game by effing game like take texas literally they need to take it game by game because louisiana is good louis billy napier yep. is going to come in guns a blazing that game one and assuming he doesn't take the tennessee have, job but yeah no one's taking the Tennessee job, but I know the, I was kidding. Uh, well, Mike might, but we can get into that later. Anyways, the, the you go to Arkansas week three, and like you Texas can't lose that game from a momentum perspective. Mm, that's week two. I think it's week. They three. Open Louisiana, then they go to Arkansas, and then they face Rice. Okay, there you go. If you have it pulled up in front of you, I'm, yeah, I don't have it up do. in front of me. There you go. So yeah, you go. You play two tough games to start the year. Go two and up. Like, okay, then after that, guess what? Beat TCU and Oklahoma State in the same year. Texas should not be losing to those two teams on a yearly basis. It is, that's your brand. You've got talent. You've got every resource to use. Um, and then here's the other thing, too. And this is something to point out about Texas. And, like, this is why the expectations are going to be gaudy, not this year, but because everybody, I think, understands what Oklahoma is turning into for this season. But, like, for 2022 even, like – Whenever you're about to drop 50 to $55 million to fire a guy and then hire a new guy's staff, that brings expectations. And like Kwiatkowski at Washington is going to need time, like to get body types in there. Like I know, I know he went to Washington and immediately they were good. That is not normal. That, that, that if it happens at Texas, by God, I'm going to be bowing down on my knees and calling this guy a God. But if he goes to Texas with the secondary that they have built, the linebackers, they, I know Jawan Mitchell's coming back. He is very talented, probably one of the better returning players in the Big 12. But Overshawn's got to get better. They, they've got good defensive linemen, but they lack an edge, a serious edge rusher. Like, they've got areas in that defense that don't necessarily fit what Kwiatkowski has. But with the transfer portal, with recruiting, those things can change, especially the portal, those things can change within two years. It is now the new junior college. You are going to – get player you know ready players that are played snaps in power five football now 
So it can change quick. So to fit wrap up my thoughts on Texas, Philip, like, again, nine, I think they're kind of capped in 2021. I think nine wins is kind of just where they're at. You've got Oklahoma. You've got road games at Iowa State, road game at TCU. Haven't beaten them in a while. Oklahoma State's going to be better what people expect them to be. That's going to be a good mm-hmm. game in Austin. And then don't sleep on Baylor. A good offensive coordinator, good offensive line coach. Their defense is going to be really, really talented. So I think, you know, and we can definitely, I would love to talk to you about the Big 12 next, and I want to get your perspective on what I'm about to say. But the Big 12 is going to be as strong as it's been in over a decade this year. The top four are really, really good. The five to eight are good too. This is not a good year if you're Steve Sarkeesian in Texas to come in with all these high expectations and then go eight and four. Just take it game by game, go two and zero to start the season, beat Oklahoma State, beat TCU. And I think that's a successful year, regardless of anything that else happens. If you can accomplish those two things, you feel really good about your future. We are very excited to have a new sponsor for the 10-12 podcast to start 2021. And that is Manscaped the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, specifically the lawnmower 3.0. Now, I understand family jewels, weird thing to say, ha, ha, ha. We all love to make jokes about personal grooming. But let's get real for just a second. We've all tried. We've all struggled. It's not the easiest thing to do. Manscaped makes it easy. And I'm not talking about going smooth as a baby's bottom. However you want it to be, whatever is most comfortable to you, I have a comfort level. I have now been able to reach easier than ever before. I'm sure you have one as well. So do yourself a favor and go check out the Lawnmower 3.0. Third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. It's got a little LED light, which makes things easier to see. It's got a really quiet motor. It ain't loud. Easy to charge, easy to use, incredibly comfortable, incredibly well designed specifically for you and me, guys. The lawnmower is not the only thing that's great about them. They've got other trimming products, including for your uh, nose and ear, which let me tell you, as you get older, as I have, once you start dealing with those ear hairs, you're going to thank me for going to Manscaped. So go to manscaped.com, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code 1012. Okay, 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com when you use promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2. You are going to like this. This is going to be something you are really happy to have in your arsenal. So, manscaped.com, promo code 1012, 20% off, free shipping. And let me just say, you are never going to be more comfortable than you will after a Manscaped shave. I mean, so this was, to your point on the Big 12, this was the right time to pull the plug. Right. Sure. OU is expected to have an amazing season this year. Okay. Um, I think your point on Baylor is right. I don't think they're going to, I think the offense is going to take some time because they're going to have a lot of things they have to replace. But I think the defense at Baylor is going to be even better. Like it shouldn't have been as good as it was in year one of Day Aranda, and it's pretty dang good. I think Baylor will be better than people think. If T- if TCU gets the offense figured out without, without as many chefs or cooks in the kitchen, like, the, the roster's not a problem. The talent is there. TCU's really good. Kansas State gets Skylar Thompson back. Let's not think about Kansas State after Skylar Thompson got hurt. Let's think about Kansas State before Skylar Thompson got hurt. Even if they're not great this year, the coaching there makes me think Kansas State's still going to be a pain in the ass. Iowa State's bringing back, like, all but two starters. Hey, real quick, they're real, not quick, gonna be real, bad. quick real quick, yeah. let me cut you off. Is, would Skylar Thompson be the only quarterback to beat Oklahoma three times? 
That's another hurdle Oklahoma has to climb next year, by the way. Like ever? Uh, Vince Young not, did it. Josh Fields did it. Not twice. If, okay, because Brock Purdy didn't do it the first time. So wait, no, Vince Young did, did Vince Young do it twice? Vince Young, he played in 06. Oh man. Uh, man, that's it's escaping me, but that's crazy to think. Like Skylar Thompson. If you no, seriously, I, we can get back on topic. Skylar Thompson, if you look up his stats only in the Oklahoma games that he's played in in his career, it is <laughs> nuts. I don't know what it is, but the dude shows up. It's pretty crazy. I think but the, the the no, the, the point is like this was the year for Texas to pull the plug. This was to make the if you're gonna do it. You would rather start this in a year where expectations should be reasonable and the rest of the potential is going to be really good. Like you'd rather, if we're going to start over and we're going to be down anyways because of it, we might as well be down in a year where everyone else is going to be good so it's not as big a deal. We would rather get things going and hit and be really good at a time when maybe all, everyone else takes a step back. Like TCU is going to be good. They're not going to be good two years in a row. Kansas State's going to be like – I think to your point, like Texas Tech's going to be bad. Kansas is going to be bad. But I think to your point, like the Big 12 will be solid. I think the Big 12 defenses just keep getting better. Yes, you can make the argument that the offenses weren't quite as good this year. But, folks, it's not as much as the national media wants to tell you. It really is more about the defenses getting better. Oh, they will even bend even over about their West Virginia. back. They will bend over their back not to give the Big 12 any credit. The Big 12 has six no. of the top 15 to 20 defensive coordinators in football conference mm-hmm. i don't want to hear sh- I about i know I, like philip i you've seen me i am i am so beyond that like the more anytime someone pops up on twitter i am just immediate like i not usually like this but lately it's just nonsense like if you look oh the big 12 had i believe four top 30 defenses or four top 25 defenses of an sp plus like yeah. oklahoma state oklahoma and iowa state had top 20 i believe tcu was in the top 20 as well so it's just yeah, because it was three of them were like, like sixteen, seventeen. I think it was like TCU. I think there were five in the top twenty because TCU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State were all like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, Oklahoma was uh, in S and P plugs. Oklahoma was in that range too. So it's, it's I mean, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like I want you to think about this though, because you actually have a better perspective than I do. Like when I go think about like Big Twelve football, right? Like. 08 was really when that raid started to infiltrate the conference and everybody was running a air raid kind of style system. Texas obviously was still more pro style. Oklahoma was like a pro raid. I don't Kevin Wilson, what he did was magical, but like you're seeing these offenses now, like Iowa State and Oklahoma are getting two tight ends on the field. Oklahoma State's using a tight end. Kansas State gets big personnel. Texas is going to be big this year. Yeah. Like we could definitely, and that's the other point I didn't talk, I didn't touch on about Texas but like everybody's getting bigger like they're but they're doing that because the big 12 is getting better defensive linemen like go look at kansas state last year kansas state has two nfl defensive linemen in khalid duke and white hubert oklahoma state's got mm-hmm. two to three guys oklahoma next year oklahoma could get six guys drafted from their defensive line and if you want to add ronnie perkins it would have been seven if he would have come back like this the league defensively is getting better defensive coordinators they're getting better head coaches they're developing more talent and whenever the joke, you know, Iowa State made the joke, right? You know, five-star culture, whatever, five-star hearts, you know? Yeah. But, like, for real, like, the Big 12 is turning these kids that just no one is t- even batting an eye on to go get. And at Iowa State, at Kansas State, at Oklahoma State, at Baylor, at TCU, West Virginia, I mean, Stills Brothers were big-time recruits, but everybody is turning 
good players into really talented NFL players on defense. And that's just a trend that's going to continue. And as long as that continues, the gap between the Big 12 and the SEC, whatever recruiting rankings say, it's really not that big. So Parker Fleming of, of, of Purple Theory told me he wants, gave me his weird pitch for what he wants to get on his podcast. And I've been thinking a lot about it. And, and I've been thinking about this for a little while with the Big 12. You know, the, you see the NFL has used to be college stole from the NFL. And over the past few years, you've seen that the NFL started stealing from college. You're literally taking more college coaches because they want to do what college is doing. But here's the deal. They're not stealing from the SEC. They're not stealing from the ACC or the Big Ten. They've been stealing from the Big 12. I think what the Big 12 is, the Big 12 is the conference that, not that they don't care about recruiting, SEC cares about recruiting and that's it. And keeping, you know, insular, we can only hire SEC coaches because they are the only ones who know how to coach in the SEC and blah, blah, blah. Well, no, but they have to keep all the cooks in the kitchen, right? Not every, you yeah, can't, it's the inbreeding. In yeah, you can't have one leave out and then start talking, you know? Yeah, everyone will know what we're doing. You recruit, I get it. But what the Big 12 to me has always been about, it's not that they don't care about recruiting, it's we're going to... I think they are the experimental conference. I think the Big 12 is the conference that's always looking to give themselves the coaching and schematic edge over other conferences. And so they experiment. So they're always ahead of the game, but nobody gives them credit until the SEC steals it and uses it with all their more talented rosters. It's like, oh, see, this is this is great football. And you're like, no, this is what's been done for a decade. Oh, the Big 12 is already on to the next step of figuring out how to defend all this stuff, which is why their defenses are getting better, and they're not putting as many offensive points. So that just means that their offense must not be as good anymore because you have too many people on the national stage who don't actually watch either college football at all or the Big 12 who have very strong opinions about said conference. It's the most frustrating thing. And, like, I want to touch in on, like, real quick on the Sarkeesian deal, because I think it's important, and, I, and you'll agree with me on this. Like, it's going to be two to three years. Texas is going to be good. Like, I'm, yes. I I am all aboard that you give it a – you give it – if they give it time and they don't start putting these unreal expectations on them. And like they when stay Alabama, that, out of the way. they got to stay out of the way. They have to stay. They yeah. cannot have all the boosters want to get their fingers in on, well, I think you should – and I stay – leave Sarkeesian alone for three years. Leave him alone. Mm -hmm. The worst thing that happened to Tom Herman was having his year two be as successful as it was because it screwed up the whole timeline. They were ahead of schedule in year two. And I said that on the show. They were ahead of schedule. They overachieved and it was going to screw them up moving forward. And it did. Yeah. And, and, and when you add in the fact that, you know, you don't bring – and here's the smart thing about Sark. So he goes gets a good offensive line coach, right? Like that was – had to happen. Like they – good God – I can't watch Christian Jones. I hope no one that listens to Texas knows the kid or anything and tells him I said this, but I can't watch him play football much longer, man. Like he was just getting hated every game at right tackle. Like there was the Oklahoma game. He, Nick Benito was literally just running around him. Like it was what it's, it, I, it, you can't, Texas can't win football games with guys like that playing. They just can't. Sure. They kind of had two of them. They got some of those younger guys in, and Jake Majors and the Andrich. I don't know how to say the other part of his name, um, the other tackle. Uh, but you know, they're get they there. There's pieces there. Quarterback room's questionable. Um, I'm a, I'm aboard that the Connor Weigman kid that Oklahoma's offered. That's from the Houston area. 
if Texas can land him, he's a big Texas fan. That's a huge get. But even then, I would if I was Texas, like if you know you find out pretty quickly, spring ball start of this season that Casey Thompson and Hudson Card aren't it. Like you start mining the to figure out which quarterbacks are entering the transfer portal, bring in a grad transfer for 2022. If you were good, you're good, which is great. But your year is 2023, and mm-hmm. that, in 2023, if Oklahoma and Texas are on the same pass as it kind of looks like they are right now, Philip, man, oh man, I'm gonna be excited. I like here's all I ask. Here's all I want. Here's all I want. I want Oklahoma and Texas to be year in, year out, top five matchup in the Cod Bowl. In the, because like, like people just don't like, I know, have you been to a Texas game before? I, no. I okay. I so the, I know, I know. That's I know. what, the, dude, it is the most like, this year with how high the suspense was in this game without the fans in the stands and when all of the fans just basically said, screw COVID, COVID's not real today on this Saturday. And they all started combining <laughs> at the end zones. Like, and just the passion in the game, man. Like, if it was a top five, top ten matchup year in and year out, like, that makes everybody in the conference look better. Um, it, mm-hmm. it, it, There's benefits to it for everybody. And I'm just, like, that's all I want. Like, like really, just give me – if you can give me one year in 2023 where Oklahoma's a national championship and Texas is a national championship contender. And, like, Oklahoma State at that point, that with Illingworth and this next wave of players that they're developing will be, at the, on the offense will be older, the Presley's – um, those guys will be older. Oklahoma State will be better. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm, I'm realistic. Like, like Oklahoma in 2022. With, again, we're talking. Alex Grinch has to be the defensive coordinator. Now you're going down a rabbit hole um, that I've gone down. Where of like Oklahoma could lose 18 players off the starters this year. Lose their defensive coordinator. Probably lose some assistance because Grinch is going to take an offensive guy with them somewhere. Like you, Oklahoma in 2022 could look like what LSU did, unless Lincoln stays. You know what I'm not talking about? I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like the season going. You're not, it is. I'm you're not hiring about, Bo Pelini. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But my point <laughs> is, is that you're talking about mass exodus from the coaches because everything's so yeah. good. Um, but there's a lot of, that's down the line. And I don't know if you want to get anything else um, in regards to the big 12, but it's just, I'm so, it's, I'm so damn excited. Like I know it's January, but it's like thinking Iowa state and Oklahoma could be a top five matchup in Norman, man. Like oh, that's, yeah. a, that is something that hasn't happened. Like think about the big, the last time was OUTCU in 2017. We've had a game mm-hmm. like an inter interconference game like that. And like, that's so good for the conference. Like Oklahoma yes. Bedlam's at Bedlam and Stillwater. That's going to be great. Like that's going to be Oklahoma state's defense is going to be good. Hopefully trace Ford gets back earlier than expected. Cause I think that he is going to be a, big difference if i tell me if i'm wrong i think the difference with oklahoma state with trace ford next year because they just don't have calvin bundage or anybody else really to kind of play that role i just like there's just oh, baylor's defense i, I mean i you, you've got me gushing over here i I, the, I there are so many players okay where i'm the direction i'm going and what i'm doing next philip there are so many players from this con to be watching oh my lord I'll say this for OSU. It's not just getting Trace Ford. Hopefully, he'll be back. It's Colin Clay came in from Arkansas didn't play because he got hurt before the season. So if you have Colin Clay and Trace Ford healthy, with Israel Antoine getting, mm, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So let's let's wrap on this. I've got ten. We're gonna, we're gonna start doing this quick fire questions. So just quick answers. Don't you know? We don't we don't need explanations. Uh, there are some Big Twelve Oklahoma questions in here, and there's some that have nothing to do with that. Uh, so we're going to start the imaginary clock that doesn't matter. And uh, and here we go. Okay, number one, uh, go-to Waffle House order. 
Not a Waffle House guy. Okay. Great start. <laughs> uh, best new Big 12 coaching hire. How far back do I go? Is it the last no, two this, years? This off se- this off season, not head coach, just coach. Period. Off season. Oh, all, all Texas new staff. Yeah, all Texas staff. Oh, Kyle Flood. New guys. Kyle Flood. Kyle, Kyle Flood. No, if, yeah. if fans are butts about it. Hey, you know what's funny? Hey, I know you said real quick. Real quick though, you what's funny is you know what he's already done. He's already gone back and offered all the five stars he offered at Alabama. I don't know if you saw this. <laughs> it's the same exact guys Oklahoma goes after. It's gonna get fun, real fun. Uh, number three, favorite Mel Brooks film. Uh, Patriot. Right? Am I thinking wrong person? Probably wrong. Mel Gibson's the guy I'm thinking of. Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. I'm not gonna be guy. Mel Brooks. Help me out here. Oh my god. Help me out here, Phil. Frankenstein, Spaceballs, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Yeah, I'm out. Not a movie guy. Oh my gosh, this is going. Uh, player OU will miss the most in 2021. Oh, Ronnie Perkins. No if, okay. ands, or buts about it. Uh, what would your parents have named you if you had been born a girl? Something with a K, probably Caitlin. Okay. Uh, more challenging non-conference game for OU this year. At Tulane or Nebraska? Oh, Tulane. You already know my answer. <laughs> On the road, get week one in New Orleans. I know the answer. I just like asking it because it's fun. Uh, Nebraska Shade. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Okay. Uh, Lincoln Riley's favorite pizza topping? Pizza topping? Mm-hmm. Hmm. He seems like just a real easy, like, I just want to go get me a pepperoni pizza kind of guy. I don't see him, I mean, because he's like a mountain person. I don't know if those two things are correlated, but he seems like kind of more laid back. I'm not going to get exotic kind of deal. So I will say just normal pepperoni pizza. All right. Uh, do the uh, do the OU basketball team make the dance? I'm not informed enough. Like, I think they're good enough to. I just don't know, like, with COVID and they've set a date for the tournament, like, I don't know if they're going to get enough wins in. Like, they got to beat Kansas on Saturday. I just don't know enough. Like, I, I don't know how the rest is shaping up with COVID in terms of the conferences to really kind of give you a good answer, but they're a good enough team to. They can go win a game in the tournament. Agreed, agreed. Uh, is Texas back? If you ask me a year from today, the answer probably is yes, and I'm dead ass. Okay. I'm serious. Right. I, I, no, I'm I with you. Like, I, people that just don't understand, like, you get Alabama blood for the recruiting trail. You've got two innovative coaching staffs. You've got all the resources in the world. You're the name brand in this, one of the deepest, richest states for recruiting. You've got – I mean, there's just so many positives for Texas right now. It's like I I don't want to just get the expectations sky high because I said – and I'll finish with this again, Philip. Texas has not started 3-0 in a football season since 2012. It's going to be a decade if it doesn't happen this year. A decade. There we go. I hate to see Keegan, that. Keegan, I'm, I'm, I'm sad you won't be on the Sooners Wire beat, but that's okay. That doesn't mean we won't still enjoy having you on to talk college football and talk the Sooners and talk uh, other things that might be related to whatever it is you're going to be doing next, of course, which we'll find more about later and, and talk about some more then. Uh, in the meantime, where can everybody uh, check out the stuff that you do covering the Sooners? Yeah, uh, you can just follow me at Keegan Renault, and it's K-E-G-A-N-R-E-N-E-A-U. I promise you it's less annoying come football season 
but it will you will find me tweeting a lot and you'll be seeing random film clips out right now just because how do i say this i've gotten my hands on philip of like the ultimate all 22 drive every team every game uh, it's going to take me i'm, I'm going to probably go through all of it by the end of this off season i can't wait yeah so that would be uh you can follow keegan check out his only fans uh it's kind of fun don't worry it's not weird and uh, I, I kid of course your patreon and uh buddy look forward to talking to you again no oh, absolutely always fun Podcast Network.